I should point out that in my other podcast, Death D4 Dishonor, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast where we play fourth edition, we're looking for two new players. We're about to start a new campaign called Thunderspire Labyrinth, and it would be a great time if you were thinking about playing a Dungeons and Dragons game, maybe for the first time, you don't have to be super experienced, and you would like to hang out with myself and a couple other people it would be a fun idea to start. So good time. If you want to email me at genesegray at yahoo.com, I would be glad to consider um, having you on. And let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the 50th episode, yay, in a weekly series called 50s Mashup. Last week's episode was a discussion about gaming news and various Facebook suggested articles and personal foo. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, January 23rd, and today I speak about a lot of different stories that I'd like to share with you, some memories perhaps of the previous episodes, 1 through 50, and we'll kind of just play it by ear today and see what happens. So let's start with news of the week. News of the week. Microsoft's recent uh, Xbox Live update has been a little bit of trouble as it's led to washed out colors and sub 1080p playback in certain videos. The company plans to release a fix for this and several of their other problems. If you remember, this is the live update that people got very upset about because this is the one that included the new terms of use that prevented users from bringing class action lawsuits against the company. So this is not a popular update, having brought these other issues with it as well. Users have found colors in the dashboard and during video playback are washed out and blacks are less black. Uh, Although gameplay, regular gameplay that's not a video, appears unaffected. And Microsoft has also restricted the non-Zune video resolutions to lower resolution videos, which is also annoying to players. And a fix is supposed to be coming for the color issue, but there is no time frame for that, and also no acknowledgement for a fix on the non-Zune video issue. Max Payne 3's release has been pushed back again (sighs) to May of 2012. And Resident Evil 6, which has a new trailer out I recommend you watch, is in development, it's on the way. And Capcom has announced in a press release, uh, actually today, 
that there's a new installment in this horror series. This one is set 10 years after that initial first outbreak in Raccoon City. And in the trailer, there appears to be the president who is infected and is a zombie attacking everybody else with the virus. Resident Evil 6 is said to be released on November 20th of this year. It will be for Xbox 360, PS3, and PC, of course, will come at some point that they haven't said yet. Now, last week, I spoke about a back-and-forth conversation about critiques versus reviews, and you might remember that. This was between our friends Manveer Air, senior designer at BioWare, and Patrick Kleptic, a writer from GiantBomb.com. Both of them state their sides on how they properly how they feel that we should properly review a game. And uh, there was some debate on if a number scale should be used and if that should be 1 through 10 or 1 through 5, and some various other talks about uh, backseat reviewers, shall we say. And this conversation, which I believe has three parts total now, I did continue after the podcast last week, it inspired me to look further at reviews that kind of flowed into those armchair designer behaviors. And one of the most astounding that I read was from G4TV's Abby Heap. I'm going to read a little bit of that review. This review was for Metroid Other M. Now, Abby very much disliked this game, and she took it very personally. A lot of her review was based, as a female writer herself, on the fact that many of us, and I've said before, one of my very first games that I really have memory of it being affecting to me and really emotional was Metroid. Finding out at the end that Samus was a girl, and wow, that was kind of really cool to find out. Surprising. Uh, A lot of other girl gamers, I think, have very similar feelings about Samus, that she's kind of like the every girl hero. Um, She never speaks. She's just, you know, silently strong, and she kind of saves the galaxy and kicks butt. And Abby, Abby's review, uh, she takes it very personally that in Other M, we have a lot more backstory about Samus, and in Other M... It's kind of, to me, more like an anime uh, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of cutscenes, a lot of um, relationship talk back and forth, a lot of kind of hearing uh, stream of consciousness from Samus. And she she's very young in a lot of the shots of this and kind of going to her military training in the initial beginning of... Uh, beginning of the Metroid series. And you see her as a, a younger girl who's lost her parents and she has kind of been adopted into the military unit that she's in and has a lot of uh, attachment to her commander called Adam and sees him as kind of a father figure. She has a lot of internal conflict in this game as well. And this this kind of really ticks off um, Abby, the, the reviewer, who feels that it's very insulting to women that, you know, she should be portrayed as such a, you know, giggly little girl and kind of like so conflicted, like, I don't know, somebody help me, somebody save me, that sort of thing. And um, there is a point in the game where after Samus arrives at a description, distressed signaled ship she encounters her old squad and adam is still the commander of the old squad and for some reason it's very not it's very unclear in the game she decides to kind of join the squad rather than going off on her own and it's not like adam invites her she just kind of invites herself into the squad and decides she's going to abide by his uh 
his rules and his orders, even though she's not a part of that military unit anymore. And so for some reason, he gets to give her orders, which I don't really understand why. Um, and he orders her not to use her bombs or missiles. He doesn't actually say that actually in the game. Um, it just says to you when you start to play, um, Samus has agreed that she won't use her bombs or missiles until Adam orders it. It never even shows a cutscene where Adam says, Samus, I don't want you using bombs or missiles, like, that I recall. But anyway, she decides she's not going to use uh, bombs or missiles until Adam allows her to do so. And wow, uh, Abby rips that part of the game to shreds. <laughs> and kind of goes on, um, and here, let me quote. In the world of other M, Samus stumbles upon her Galactic Federation squad mates while answering distress call, yada yada, in the most contrived manner possible, Samus loses her special abilities. How? She opts not to use them. Why? She wants to show Adam she can follow orders. Yep, that's right. The woman who in the first five minutes of the game gave the squad access to the ship by using her missiles is restricted from using her abilities, some of which could open a path or save her life in the future until a bland male character dictates it to her. She does this because she likes him, but only as a friend. <laughs> no matter what way you rationalize this mechanic, when you're 10 minutes into the lava sector and you can't use your various suit yet, you will understand how painfully stupid this plot device is. And she goes on and on for a while about how uh, how silly it is for Samus to be subservient to a dude when she's already saved the galaxy like five times. And then she goes on to uh, get upset with a detailed trip through Samus's psyche. Um, feeling like her weakness and vulnerability is really uh, upsetting. And she says, quote, Other M expects you to accept, accept her as a submissive, childlike, and self-doubting little girl that cannot possibly wield the amount of power she possesses unless directed to by a man. So she, she really takes this very personally and goes on and on about this and 10 things she hates about the game, some of which she, she actually does talk about the combat-based part and... And I would have to agree with some of her statements where she, uh, first of all, I have to say, uh, as a first-person shooter player, I much prefer the Xbox or the PS3. PS3 because I happen to have one. Uh, I do not prefer the Wii if I was going to play a first-person shooter because it's kind of awkward to hold the controller sideways and and play it like that. Um, the controller for the PS3 feels much more familiar to me as kind of an old school gamer. It's it's more similar to like the old Segas or PlayStation controllers or something that you kind of grew up with. So I feel that fits in my hand better. I'm used to that one more. So holding the Wii Remote sideways um, is a little bit odd to me, and I can play that fine. I, I had no problem rolling around on in the ball form and dropping the bombs or... Um, you know, any of that stuff, shooting, not a problem. But there is a section where you have to hold the Wii remote directly up, and you use this to lock onto a target, and you can fire missiles that way. And it's very, uh, very difficult to do that because the auto aim is very buggy, and you have to really only move it a fraction of an inch, and you'll lose your lock. So when you're in the middle of a boss fight, and this was very frustrating when the first boss fight, you had to lock on. He had an eye, a large eye, uh, at the top of his head, and you had to lock onto that eye and shoot your super missile. And then at various other times, he was being frozen by other people in the squad, and you had to break that frozen bit in the squad. And that was very frustrating 
for me because you, like I said, you can only move the Wii Remote a fraction of an inch and it will drop the lock and you'll lose your missiles. So I did manage to take the first boss down, but you had to basically be like in a yoga meditative state to be able to actually achieve this. You have, if you had any sort of like adrenaline going and your hand was shaking the least bit, you were going to fail that fight. So it was a little bit of a weird dynamic um, and not something that I was a fan of. And there are many other points in the game where if you're walking and you want to get a closer look at something, you can sense and try to lock onto it. I also had a real problem, uh, which she does not mention, Abby does not mention in this game. I also had a real problem with the darkness of the game, literally. I mean, I'm complaining with the lights off and I'm still having trouble seeing the corridor that I'm running down. And the map was really ridiculous. There's a point where you defeat your first boss and Adam wants you to go look and he sends you, your squad to various areas throughout the abandoned vessel. And one of the areas you have to go in, I think, is the control room. He sends Samus there. And you're, you're going on the map to where the flashing yellow dot is, and only certain doors are green. You can only go through the green doors. Red doors, obviously not. And the map is just very weird. Uh, you can't find where you're supposed to go. There are times where you fall through the floor and you have to get back into other areas and it's so dark you can't even see the doors you need to go through. Um, you also have to scan through the room to find some little tiny thing on the wall that you can lock onto and you know hit with your missile and then it'll open a door. It took me like 20 minutes to get out of one room because I couldn't even find the button I needed to hit because it was so dark and so difficult to target. And I just was very frustrating. I decided after about 45 minutes of play that I was not going to play this game any further. It was very frustrating and just that. The interface was that problematic that I felt like I couldn't finish the game. Probably will never finish Other M, but I saw enough of the story and enough of the game to kind of get a general idea of of it. And I really want to play Metroid Prime. That was what I wanted to get first because I, I realized I'd never gone through those two in the series. Never wanted to play them on the Wii and I kind of feel like I should bite the bullet and finish the Metroid series. So... I'll be picking up Prime in the next week, and hopefully I'll have something to say about that. Many of you have already played it, but just saying. Back to the review. She has several sections, and one of them is called Diary of a Wimpy Bounty Hunter. And she says, quote, So, is this game as soul-crunchingly terrible as it sounds? Yes, yes it is. There are some great moments in the secondary plotline if you can turn off the volume and ignore Samus's voice entirely, but that's not really the point of the game. The point is to flesh out one of the most iconic and non-sexualized female characters in gaming history, and yet the outcome is insulting to both Samus and her fans. When she isn't submissive and obedient, the flashbacks portray her as bratty and childish and the whole mess smacks of sexism. So she kind of goes on about this and doesn't like the fact that uh, Samus freezes and has, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder and a lot of other stuff. Personally, playing the game, and seeing pretty much the major plot line in the first 45 minutes, I would say that I wasn't as offended as she was as a female gamer. Now, understand too, I have not followed the Metroid comic. I have not played the entire series. Like I haven't played Prime. I've only basically played the original Metroid. So maybe I'm not as invested as in Samus as some other people might be. But Having said, she was one of the first really influential female characters for me ever. I would say that I am very fond of Samus, and I would be upset if I felt like she was being disparaged in some way. I didn't see her kicking any less butt. I did see her having a little bit of conflict, mental conflict on some things. 
having trouble dealing with past relationships that she hadn't really dealt with. I mean, the girl did lose both her parents and kind of thrown into the military as a rebellious teen. I didn't have a problem with that. I kind of felt like, you know what, even if you're a kick butt girl and you're a strong fighter, it doesn't mean that you are hard as a rock. You're allowed to have questionable thoughts. You're allowed to have angst. You know, you can be a person at the same time as you're an amazing soldier. So I wasn't uh, offended by her her cut scenes or the basic plot of the story. I did think it was kind of dumb that she, she couldn't use her missiles or she decided not to use her missiles, even though Adam didn't even ask her not to. I, didn't, I thought it was kind of odd that she kind of fell right back into the, we're in a squad and you're my my leader, even though she's been on her own for a couple of years and you would think she'd have a little bit more independence. I get that part, but I didn't find it as offensive as this reviewer clearly did. And I do think her personal feelings about Samus did affect her review. She spent far more time talking about the emotional impact of seeing this character kind of be different than her imaginings than she did talking about the actual gameplay and actual problems that were inherent in the game. So I do feel like as a reviewer, you have to have some objectivity to be able to properly review a game. Uh, and yes, I do think there's a difference between critiquing a game and reviewing a game. And uh, this was a little bit more emotional than perhaps one should be as a reviewer. So interesting read, interesting review. And I, w- I wonder what your thoughts are on this. Do you want to read reviews that focus on the reviewer's personal opinions on the character's psyche or the character's individual? Or would you rather just read about how the game plays through and if it's coherent and if the interface works and if you rate it, you know, two out of five? So thoughts, thoughts on reviews. Whenever I'm alone with you You make me feel like I am home again Whenever I'm alone with you You make me feel like I am whole again Also, in other news, the feds have killed Mega Upload, which you may know about. Mega Upload is run by Alicia Keys' husband, who is a famous rap artist. I think his name is Swiss Beats, (laughs) and he is the CEO. And that was shut down this past weekend in a federal indictment. They accused Mega Upload of hosting pirated media and... uh, there's been some back and forth. Mega Upload does uh, have more than 150 million registered users and has been said to host 4% of the internet's media. But they also say that they have a pretty strict policy and are pretty pretty particular about pirated media. So that may have some truth to it. There's some rumors that it might be something more than that because actual employees are being arrested, not just the site being shut down. So we'll have to see how that plays out. 
But let's think about the timing of this bust as well. SOPA was a, and PIPA was a huge, huge story on the internet this entire week. Uh, if you don't know about SOPA, I really suggest you look it up. SOPA is the Stop Online Piracy Act, which has a lot of issues to it, um, most of which include the huge grant of unlimited power to different uh, media companies to shut down any site that they choose to without regulation, but not to get political. The internet was in an uproar about SOPA uh, and PIPA, and we're protesting this. Wikipedia was shut down. Several different sites had censored censored bars on them to kind of simulate what could possibly happen if this bill passed. And while this was going on, the federal government decided they were going to time this bust of mega upload right in the midst of uh, this protest. And it's a pretty spectacular coincidence that the Department of Justice Task Force on Intellectual Property was able to kind of find this copyright villain without any help of the from SOPA or PIPA the day after this protest. They're kind of making a statement, I feel, with this. Some updates on this. As of 13 hours ago on Twitter, it seems that Swiss Beats was not saying anything. Uh, he was not, he was not uh, giving a care, as he said in his Twitter post, a little more rudely than that. And the AP reports the following statement from Mega Upload, quote, The fact is that the vast majority of Mega's internet traffic is legitimate and we are here to stay. If the content industry would like to take advantage of our popularity, we're happy to enter into a dialogue. We have some good ideas. Please get in touch. And further updates. The Department of Justice ha has issued a statement regarding the takedown of Mega Upload. And they called it, quote, among the largest criminal copyright cases ever brought by the United States. And the charges that they're bringing against this are racketeering, conspiracy, conspiring to commit copyright infringement, conspiring to commit money laundering, wow, and two substantive counts of criminal copyright infringement. So obviously more than just hosting some videos that they needed to get permission for here. The interesting thing is, after this entire shutdown of Mega Upload and after the whole fiasco has kind of died down, there has been a release from Anonymous. Now, if you don't know what Anonymous is, Anonymous is a group, a mass group, that originated in 2003. They are the faceless people of the online world, uh, many different factions of Anonymous, but some of them are Robin Hoods of the internet, kind of saving the right to free speech and and being very vocal about protecting people's rights um, to to have free speech and and free art and free expression on the internet. Other people are a little more terrorist-like, where they've shut down and hacked all sorts of different sites. There are many, many stories about Anonymous, some of them not very nice. One of the ones I was told recently was the shutting down of air to a hospital because they were protesting the insurance company that was using that hospital, and so the patients had no air conditioning while they were protesting this all sorts of hacking activity and anonymous got very upset when mega upload was shut down and they have threatened retaliation. They have issued a video um, where they have named several different projects that they were putting into effect immediately. 
one of which was to hit Facebook, which it says on the news recently that they may not hit Facebook. But there's several sites that have been targeted to be shut down and several hacking schemes that have been set into place right now. You can see that video. It's quite frightening. Anonymous has threatened to to enact various retaliatory measures uh, on the federal government for shutting down Mega Upload to preserve the right to, to have that site. So we'll see if anything actually does get hacked, if anything does get shut down in retaliation for that, and what uh, Anonymous feels is a proportional response to all of that. In Star Wars The Old Republic, as a thank you to everyone who helped to make the Star Wars Old Republic a successful MMO in its launch, they are rewarding the original members who had signed up for for buying the game after the beta and for the first few months, they receive a Founders Medal. And to qualify for the Founders Medal, you would have to purchase Star Wars Old Republic and redeem your product. You have to complete a transaction by March 19th, which means your account has to be billed in some way for a monthly fee by March 19th. So you still have time to be considered a founder if you have not already purchased that game. And once you become eligible, 30 days of game time will go by and you will get a notification in your in-game mail where you get a little medal, um, a founder's medal, and that gives you a title, the founder title. And you can show that pretty much like you can show Fly Girl or Lord or uh, different kinds of titles that you get in the game. So you can be a founder. Pretty cool. It is permanently bound to your account and will carry over to all your characters in the future. So now you get a legacy name other words, a last name or what you call a family name, and you can have a founder title too. So nice little bonus and kind of reward from the makers of Star Wars The Old Republic at Bioware. Nicely done. Other news in Kingdoms of Amalur, as we spoke about that a little bit last week, I had a chance to play the demo, and oh my gosh, that was so much fun. I really recommend you pick that up. It's kind of like playing Fable. Uh, it has that cartoony style to it, I guess you'd say, a little bit World of Warcraft. So if you like that kind of look, it's not a real realistic look, it's sort of um stylized, artistic look. You might enjoy looking at this game and picking this up. At the beginning, you start, your character is dead, and your character is taken to kind of a crypt area where they're going to dump you into a mass grave of other people. And you have an option to choose one of four races. Now, <laughs> I don't really remember what the races are. You get two elf choices and two human-looking choices. The way their figures look is what I'm going to call it. Certain ones have different aptitudes. If you want to be a mage, you have certain ones that you could choose that would be a little bit better than that. Uh, the same with all the other classes. And the neat thing about this is after you come back to life in the Well of Souls area, you're taken through the, the halls of this kind of underground cavern area where you're running into various people and, and you're running from these huge, they're called the Tuatha, and they are chasing you they're not chasing you in particular. They're looking for the Well of Souls, and in particular, they're looking for one of the gnomes who works the Well of Souls, but you happen to be kind of in the way. They are from the Court of Winter, which in my mind equates to the Unseely Court or the Dark Elf Court. There's lots and lots and lots of uh, stories about the Fae, and I'm a huge Fae fan myself. Um, I love 
all sorts of books that I read about the Sealy Court, the Unsealy Court, the Light Court, the Dark Court. You know, there's a hundred names for these sorts of things, but really fascinating stuff, really cool stories. Um, love Irish fables myself, all of that stuff like Cuculain and Connor MacNessa and, you know, Skyla and all that. So this, for me, was pretty cool. Very exciting to have options to interact with the Fae. And there are further options to interact with the Fae once you leave this beginning area. But let's talk a little bit more about that. So you're running to the Well of Souls, first of all, so you can get an explanation while you're alive. And you run into the gnome there, and he tells you all about how he's managed to resurrect you with the Well of Souls, and he's sending you on to town to keep you safe, because you're the only one who's managed to be resurrected, and he wants to find out how that was possible. So as the Tuatha are beating down the uh, lower caverns here and, and messing up the Well of Souls and trying to capture and kill this gnome, you are running for the town. And you get to the town, and once you get to the town, you have an interaction with, <laughs> and I'm going to call him the tarot card reader. He's called the Fate Weaver, but uh, basically it's like a dude with tarot cards, and he gets to read your future. And, uh, and he can't see a future for you, interestingly enough, because you're dead. So he sends you off into town where you're to talk to somebody else, and, and you have several fights along the way where you learn your different powers. The neat thing is you can be any class you want or all of them. You have four fate cards, brawler, mage, rogue, and there's an unknown, I believe. And at the beginning, you pick up along the way various weapons and armor that can be used for any class. You get a whole leather set, you get a whole mail set, you get some just cloth set, you get all the weapons um, for each class, you get a long sword, you get two daggers, you get a staff, you get a bow, everything. So you can kind of switch back and forth from your primary to secondary weapon. And what I liked and what I picked to do is I wanted to have a long sword. I wanted to wear mail and be a brawler, but I also wanted to have the dexterity of a rogue. I wasn't going to do the sneak and stab thing, which you have the option to do. I decided I was going to roll like a madwoman, like every which way and leap up and turn around and, you know, hack at the people behind me. So I was, you know, springing around like Sonic the Hedgehog and turning around and hitting people with my long sword. I had a shield as well. And some people can just do the tank thing where you hold your shield up and go right at people. That's an option as well. So it was kind of neat that you can be any class you'd like to do. There are various trees and you can go between any of the three trees that you have and pick things. And I had as my main weapon, like I said, a long sword. And then as my off weapon, I had an electrical shock um, spell. So I would blow people back with my electrical shock spell, and then I would hit them with my sword. It was kind of fun. You can also have a bow in your offhand. You can have your staff so you can shoot fire, various other stuff that you can do. Neat to have all the stuff, though, at the very beginning, so you can kind of choose what you want to do and mix and match and try different classes. Once you get to the town and you begin that quest with the tarot card or fate weaver, you have 45 minutes to play in this world. And I do believe that this is the world that you're going to play in. It doesn't seem like a demo only world. It's There are certain parts you can't go in and it says, hey, you're in the demo, so you can't enter there. And you're running through the forest. And there's lots of quests in this tiny town that they want you to help with. The apothecary has lost her assistant and she wants you to find her assistant that leads you to, you know, him embezzling this formula that has a lot of poison in it and he's going to take these crates of poison out and disseminate it throughout the land and 
kill people. So, you know, it's like on and on and on chain questing. But the world's kind of neat and the quests were interesting. They weren't like bring back three, you know, plants. They were kind of interesting storyline related quests, I would say, that made me want to go complete them. And the 45 minutes isn't as short as you might think it is because every time you enter into a conversation, the clock freezes. Or every time you go into your inventory and you switch something out, the clock freezes. So it's not, it's only counting your running time, which does get a little annoying. You do have a sprint option, but every time I use the sprint option, for some reason there was a bug in the demo and I got locked into the sprint option and couldn't get out of it. So I would just be running into a wall while I'm trying to talk to somebody really quick. But it's definitely a game I'd like to play. Uh, I was really interested to see that there was a court of summer and a court of winter. And then there's this third court where the heroes of all the Fae go and they all have council seats and one of the council seats is open. And you can join the uh, group of young Fae who are trying to fill that council seat and become the next Fae hero. So that would be so cool to to join the Fae council and and get to see all these other characters because they're really well designed and they look really kind of long and thin and strange and alien and, and it's kind of neat to uh, to see that. So something I'd love to pick up. Uh, it's $59.99 right now and that's a little bit expensive I feel like. I uh, don't have tons of money to blow on gaming right now. So I'm going to wait a couple months until it drops in price or until I can get a Studio 38 to allow me to have a full version so I can cover it under media. Ha ha ha. But something I think you should check out because the other cool thing about the demo is if you play through the entire demo, you open up some bonus items in Mass Effect 3. So if you're planning to purchase Mass Effect 3, very cool to play this and get that bonus item on your EA account. The other the other thing is if you purchase Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Amalur, uh, I believe that it's kind of like a cross-gaming a bit with Mass Effect 3. So if you play Kingdoms of Amalur and you purchase that, you unlock Mass Effect 3 items in Kingdoms of Amalur. And if you play Mass Effect 3, um, you get Kingdoms of Amalur items. And you can look at what they are, like an armor set and a weapon, something like that. Still cool to have. So check that out. And uh, especially if you're planning to purchase both of them, definitely play the demo so you can get that. It should be noted that although the demo is free, and this was free for me to get, you can get it on Steam. It is available now on Steam. The actual game will not be released until February 7th. An interesting indie game I'd like to talk about that's coming out in 2012 called Cube World is very anticipated, and I've been looking at some screenshots of this. It is a voxel-based 3D adventure game. It looks pretty much exactly like Minecraft, uh, and it you know, randomly generates just like Minecraft does. It's said that instead of simply buying your own houses, you can use a blueprint that you purchase and collect, and then you build your own house room by room very similar to Minecraft. So we'll have to see uh, see how this plays out, but there is a lot of talk about it. It has a multiplayer mode, and it seems to be inspired by 3D dot game heroes. So if you like Minecraft and you want to play something that might be a little more... Mm, interactive and less building related where maybe there's a little bit of a story in there or a little bit of more multiplayer you should check out cube world which is going to come out in 2012 and have a little more information when that actually does come out 
There's a story going around on Kotaku that I found pretty interesting. A long time ago in, well, not a long time ago, but in 2009, there were different shows for kids, one of which was Lazy Town, the Jonas Brothers were out. There were, let's say, a lot of inappropriate uh, clips running around YouTube with these contents about Lazy Town, about the Jonas Brothers, about Miley Cyrus, stuff like that. One of the internet memes that came out of that was one of the people said, look at this picture, and then they showed a picture of, you know, lazy town, pink-haired girl doing something that she shouldn't be doing at age 11. The second person said, I'm 12, and what is this? And speaker two, the person who who spoke the second time, was called a newbie, and there was a lot of, like, it became like a thing. I'm 12, and what is this? I'm 12, and what is this? And it was a thing a couple years ago. And recently, uh, in Star Wars The Old Republic, on the forum, somebody had posted uh, as a joke, you know, they were talking about something somebody had said, and they quoted, I'm 12, and what is this, in a forum thread. (laughs) The minimum age to be a member of the forum and to play the game is 13. You have to be 13 to have an account. And so somebody read this on the forum, and that user was permanently suspended in other words, that they were banned, because there's no such thing as a permanent suspension, they were banned from the game for being underage and violating the terms of service. So obviously somebody did not get that joke, and hopefully hopefully the user who uh, who got banned will be able to kind of point that out, that, uh, that it was just a joke, just an internet sensation. They were just quoting this mem. Uh... I don't know how you say it, if it's Mimi or Mem, but I like to say Mem because Mimi sounds like my Aunt Mame or something weird. Yes. So anyway, um, they were just quoting that and that they'll be allowed back into the forums and hopefully back into the game because, wow, gotta watch what you say on those forums. There's a lot of uh, commenting back and forth that if somebody says something on the forums, why would they be banned in the game and they shouldn't be tied together that closely? Have you seen people before in the past have posted inappropriate or jerky things in the forum and yet have not been banned in the game? So I'm not quite sure what the tie-in here between the two is, but be very careful what you say in forums in a Bioware forum. A bit of an off-the-cuff personal appeal, I guess. You may have noticed in the last couple months, I'm getting kind of discouraged, I guess I'd say. Kind of depressed, kind of saddened by just really working to 
bring some good content, doing the best I can to make a podcast that's fun to listen to, that people want to listen to. And I feel like, you know, last week I had some really great suggestions from Facebook people and that made me really happy. But then uh, looking, there's only about four people or so that really actually, you know, clicked like or actually came to Facebook or actually, you know, responded at all to anything that was said. And that makes me sad. It makes me sad because it takes, you know, 10 hours to put this podcast together, to get all the research together, to record, to edit, and try to make it a really good quality thing, the very best that I can. And I feel like if there's only four people that give a care, I adore and love those four people. And thank you so much for your input. But it would be really great if you are listening and you're one of the people that download, uh, and I do see the numbers of people that download, that you would actually write and say something or just, you know, drop a comment or a like on Facebook or something like that. Because sometimes in cyberspace, and I know since we're all gamers, this is probably something we all feel, sometimes you feel in cyberspace completely alone the echo of the silence of cyberspace. And it would be great to know that there are actually people out there that give a care and that would kind of encourage me and maybe give me a little bit of a boost to keep on working my butt off and spending those 10 plus hours every week instead of sitting in front of the TV and just vegging out or enjoying myself or whatever. I've been thinking about things that I can do to kind of expand the podcast and maybe get some more listeners or some more ways to, I don't know, selfishly say, make it worth my while to put a lot of the time into this because it's kind of consuming, you know, half my week at this point and with actually having a life and various other things, it gets hard to kind of justify the fact that, um, not sleeping until 3 a.m. and can't seem to manage to get a developer because I can't do both at the same time. I'm thinking of, I guess I should say, maybe putting out a YouTube channel, uh, some more uploads every week, thinking about maybe putting out a Tips with Genesee weekly update on YouTube and things like that. So if you have any friends, and I know you all do, it'd be very cool if you would recommend the podcast to them uh, so I can avoid doing some things like throwing up ads on my site or, you know, stuff to just make a little bit on the side and able to afford to continue to do the podcast. So very cool. If you would invite your friends to listen, spread the word out there, uh, help me out in that way. And give me any suggestions that you think, you know, who would you like to hear on the podcast? Who would you like to have an interview to listen to with? Things like that. And also, would you watch a YouTube channel? You know, if I did tips with Genesee on gaming every week uh, and kind of ranted about some things Uh, once a week, would you watch that sort of thing? Would you rather read a blog? Like, would you want more personal stuff or would you rather have um, more technical stuff? Just kind of ideas, things that would maybe improve the podcast, looking for that sort of stuff so I can keep doing this. Um, Don't want to bring you things, like I said, you know, last couple last couple podcasts, uh, a lot of news related stuff and, you know, not as many people on and I want to get some more people on. So tips and improvements would be awesome. Kind of a sad note, but moving on to something happier. Okay. Going to be kind of a short podcast this week, probably because Tinsian had the flu this week 
and was home Thursday and Friday. And I also am having trouble kind of talking today. <laughs> it's been a really crazy week. Um, I don't know. It's just a lot of people getting sick, a lot of like blah stuff going on. So Tenzin has informed me that even though I'm excited about the 50th, 50th episode, and for me, it's like an awesome milestone. So yay. That 52 is technically a year that there are 52 weeks in a year. So if I want to celebrate my yearly birthday of the gray area podcast, the 52 will be the one to do. So I will plan for something bigger for 52 because I was told 50 is not a year. So even though it's not, I would just like to say I've been listening to some of the older episodes and looking back a little bit, and it's really awesome to have made 50. And a super big thank you to the listeners for that. If you would like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, and please, please join my Facebook on Genesee because it's awesome. Or you can find my podcast on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email me your questions, advice, or suggestions to geneseegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.